gentlemen, boys and girls, dogs and cats, a boss lady who can balance my budget anytime, a woman who proves blondes do have more fun, uh, a lady whose bottom line never sags, uh, 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 Miss Madeline, I can make a profit anywhere. Hey, let me have one. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now this is going to take several years as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right, and we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are and even if you have some trivia to disclose. Our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com and we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. Hi, Grace. It feels like it's been forever since I talked to you. I know, Shauna. Where have you been? I've been getting settled in the States and working my job at night. Yeah, it's been a little bit different for you with the time difference. Well, yeah, I have to stay on Shanghai time. So classes mm-hmm. begin at 5 p.m. and end at 1.30 in the morning. Your body clock's all over the place. Yeah, the last two nights I've been up um, until 3 in the morning, actually, because we've had meetings and tests and things like that, exams. Um, but only one more month, one more month, and then I get a couple months off for summer vacation. So. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, for the listeners, normally there's a three-hour time difference between me and Shauna, but now it's 17 hours. <laughs> yeah. I'm 17 hours ahead. So um, we've had to rearrange the time we record. It's yeah. morning for me and evening for Shauna the night before. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so crazy. Yeah. A little bit of an adjustment, but nothing's going to stop us from talking about moonlighting. So yeah, of course, nothing's going to stop us from doing that. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Moonlighting the Podcast. Today, we're talking about Portrait of Maddie, which is from Season 2, Episode 8. It first aired on the 26th of November, 1985. It was directed by Peter Werner. It was written by Kerry Aaron and Ali Marie Matheson. The guest stars Dan Lauria, which I call him, not Dan Lauria, as the lieutenant, John Calvin as Charles Wright, Paul Rudd as the accomplice, and Gary Carlos Cervantes as the auto painter. The synopsis, a struggling painter who is obsessed with Maddie Hayes completes a painting of her in his loft. His loft is surrounded with images of magazine covers of Maddie from her modelling years. The paint is still wet when he calls the gallery to let them know that it is ready to be collected, then commits suicide. 
Maddie purchases the portrait from the gallery using the recent profits from the business, only to gift it to the painter's brother, who shows up at her office the following day. The brother then dies the following day in the same manner and in the loft of his brother's apartment. The police now suspect Maddie of foul play, as she is in the portrait, and that she purchased the painting only for it to show up at the loft where two men were murdered. It transpires that the artist and the brother were part of a trio of international art thieves who stole a valuable painting from a museum in France three years earlier. Subsequently, the surviving accomplice shows up at Maddie's home, who is convinced that the portrait of Maddie holds a clue to where the Duchess has been hidden and that Maddie knows more than she is letting on. A colourful climactic scene ensues when the real killer is revealed in an auto painting shop when Maddie and David, all covered in paint, use a car as a weapon to corner the killer, which covers him with paint as well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I mean, doesn't it make you want to go and watch the episode if you haven't watched it? Seriously. I know. Yep. (laughs) Lots of twists and turns there, huh? I love it. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Well... Shall we get into it? Sure, let's do this. So speaking of paint, the first thing I noticed when I was watching it this time is the blood splatter on the wall looks like very red paint. You know, it doesn't look like really like blood at all. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like shades of her lipstick. I know, I know, exactly, yes. So yeah, that's kind of the first thing. I guess we hear the shot and then, uh, you know, we see the blood splattered on the wall and... Then uh, the man on the floor. And of course, all the pictures of Maddie on the walls. Some old, some new. I mean, you know, at that time, some old, of course, her old magazine covers and things like that that we've seen. But I guess she did say from society pages or something like that. There just seemed to be some like moonlighting promo shots in there. (laughs) I noticed that a couple of them were more recent. Yeah. They weren't from the 60s covers. I wonder if they're explaining that when she says pictures of me from the society pages. I don't know if while she worked at Blue Moon, she would be in the society pages, but there were definitely some moonlighting promo shots, you know what I mean, of her on the walls. So just wondering how they explain like how he got those photos. Yeah, that's something that's never explained. I mean, you can explain the magazine covers, but not shots that aspiring actresses use, you know, in their portfolio. Right. Yeah. It's kind of funny, mm. but uh, it was kind of fun to look at all those photos, you know, on the Sybil Shepherd Instagram, they use a lot of those photos. There's so many. I mean, if you Google her name, oh my God, the images. There are yeah, just and so it, many. It's, just, it's actually kind of funny because it's like a lot of the same images that you see on the wall. You do see on that, on the Sybil Shepherd Instagram page and things like that, you know, mm. and then more modern, more, you know, her today and things like that. So yeah. Kind of interesting, kind of fun to see how long those photos have been around, I guess. Kind of reminds you of that. In Read the Mind, See the Movie, she does say to Preston Holt yeah. that she gave it away five years earlier. So yeah. those modeling you shots, you know what I mean? They weren't that old. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a bit more believable. Did we ever talk about how, and we see some of this later, how or why Maddie has a ton of pictures of herself on her wall in her bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) I think we touched on it. We might've touched on it. They panned the wall in other episodes. I think, didn't they pan the wall in this one? Yes. 
I think, yeah, when she's sleeping. When when she's downstairs, when she's purchased the painting. Oh, yeah. They kind of pan across her room. Yeah. And down, which I love that shot. Yeah. 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 And they do that a lot. I mean, she's got her pictures above her makeup table. What's there to say about that? (laughs) I mean, what does that say about her personality, you know? But I think (laughs) David kind of nails it on the head here. Later in the episode, he makes such a good point that this woman who has spent most of her life being photographed has spent the money that she earned on yet another picture of herself. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. It's, yeah, the way he says that too, we'll talk about that later, but uh, yeah, yeah, anyway, the, the way I'm that is worded, point. so good. I know, I love it. But it's true. I mean, it really does kind of speak to Maddie. I mean, is she self-absorbed or is she just proud of her work? Yeah, that's true. Because on the one hand, she's really, I think she's really proud of her work, of what she's achieved in her life. And I think it really meant a lot to her, especially since she lost it all. Right. And on the other hand, yes, she possibly is a little self-absorbed. I mean, being a model, you're always in the public eye and getting your photo taken. So it's a little of both. That's an interesting, interesting thoughts. Well, even more interesting is, David poking around Maddie's desk, waiting for her to finish work, telling her, let's go for happy hour. You know, we always go for happy hour on Friday. Do they? Well, she says they don't always. She goes, no, we don't. And it's Monday anyway. (laughs) And it's Monday. Yeah. No, we don't. And it's Monday. But I like this. But him just kind of waiting for her, him kind of, maybe when she's crunching numbers and where is she crunching numbers? Mm. Anyway. Oh, when she's um, made $20 million or something, I said. Yeah. Calculator. Yeah, that calculator, yeah. <laughs> they had $20 million and it's like <laughs> all, yeah, all the additions come up. Oh. Can I just go back to the guy when he falls on the ground? Okay. Um, I understand this is 80s television and yeah. normally this person would have shot themselves in the head, right? Yeah, So right. he's shot yeah. himself in the heart, which is extremely unusual for a suicide wouldn't you say yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but I realize I can't show that sort of thing on moonlighting <laughs> but I know you don't want to see a, a head to... half missing yeah and it's a little bit more telling that maybe he had a broken heart or something or you know his heart yeah I mean possibly. maybe that he loved her yeah maybe it was mm-hmm. a symbol yeah yeah maybe it was a symbol yeah but I just can't get over the mo and how he looks he just looks like a 70s porno star <laughs> I know he really does. Yes. <laughs> and the room is very 80s. Yeah. That room, that kind of studio, you know, that he's in the beginning. They're very open yeah. plan. The kitchen's on the other side. All right. Anything else to say about the, the dead guy? No, it was just a really violent way for moonlighting to begin, I guess. Yes, a suicide. And then, you know, before too long, we get what we tune in for Maddie and David. Hey, blondie blonde, there are better ways to go blind. (laughs) Yeah. David, what's he alluding to? Gee, I wonder. Mm -hmm. But the scene begins with him touching the lamp as if she had been calculating in the dark. Yeah, right. I know. He was like, he has to turn on this lamp. Maybe she was working. You know, sometimes you're working and it's day and then it kind of turns to night and gets darker in there than you think. And he turns on the the lamp for Mm -hmm. her. Yeah, and as usual, she's ignoring him and he's trying to get her attention. Yeah. Like saying there's somewhere out there, there's a happy hour with our name on it. 
You yes. know, we always go drink on a Friday night. She goes, no, mm-hmm. it's not. It's Monday. Yeah, we don't. It's Monday, yeah. Maybe it's a lost yeah. weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Have I got the same shirt on? <laughs> Did I go home? I must have went home. I shaved. I shaved. So he's saying all this stuff and he turns around because he's wanting to get her attention and he turns around and he's shaking his head because she's just not, it's not happening, you know. She's engrossed yeah. in her she, calculations. She really is into the business part of it, which he, he says, you love this stuff, don't you? And then he says something that really got past the senses. <laughs> yeah, what did he say? He goes, you love this stuff, don't you? And why not? It gives you a feeling of power. He goes, numbers make the cash flow. Cash oh, yeah. makes the wheels turn. The smoke mm. stack, thighs part. Numbers make the cash flow. Cash makes the wheels turn. The smoke stack, thighs part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yes. He wishes. She's not biting at all. <laughs> no, no, she's very much ignoring him. Yeah, I think she knows how to ignore David Addison pretty well at this point or ignore the, the naughty side of him, the innuendos. <laughs> yes. Now, this is another example of just such a heavy filter on Sybil to the point where she almost looks blurry. It's like ridiculous. Mm. She did not need that heavy filter and she looks better without it, in my opinion. And sometimes they just went so heavy handed on it that she really looks blurry. And I don't know if she looked blurry back in that day or if it just hasn't aged well, but this in particular. Yeah. This scene. I agree. I think the filter should have possibly been used, not even, but if you're going to use it maybe later on in the series, because they were both looking really tired by that stage, you know, yeah. she's, plus she just five. had the babies and yeah, um, maybe then. But yeah, in the but early stages of this show, there was absolutely no need for it. Yeah. That's what I think. I think she was gorgeous yeah. without it. I think yeah, everybody yeah. would agree with that too. Yeah, she is. And it just really is, I mean, you know, it was made fun of at the time. So it was definitely noticed at the time. But, uh, I mean, they made fun of it themselves in the straight poop. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just not necessary. But they've made some money. She's very excited. Addison, my God. <laughs> Isn't that redundant? (laughs) Addison, my God. Isn't that redundant? Talk about being self-absorbed. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Addison, do you know what this means? We're ahead. Oh, that was funny. Then he makes that movie reference. Yeah, he goes, You're kidding. The two of us together? Like Ray Milan and Rosie Grun had awful movies? So I looked that up. Yeah. As as I do. Yes. Um, Oh, my God. It looks like a bad movie. I've never seen it. Um, But, oh, my God. I've got two lines here which I'll read out, and that's all I have to say. Okay? Okay. Okay. The movie is called The Thing with Two Heads. Uh, (laughs) And it starred Ray Milland and Rosie Greer. And his name is Roosevelt Greer. Okay. Doctors are forced to transplant the head of a dying racist surgeon onto the body of a black death row inmate. <laughs> I think I've heard of this before. How odd. Holy moly. I mean, you should see the images of Ray Milan's head stuck on this guy. Uh, I can't uh, even, I can't even deal with it. How bizarre. <laughs> yeah, really bizarre. And I can't believe Ray Milan did that. Yeah. <laughs> Because he was an accomplished actor. Um, Sounds terrible all the way around. I think I haven't, oh, I didn't put it down, but I think it was in in the early 70s that it was made. Okay. Anyway. And she jumps up and jumps into his arms and big hug. (laughs) And he's very giddy 
and just loving it. And she's so happy. Now we've all seen the wider shot of this where his hand is actually on her behind. Oh, I haven't you know. seen that. I oh, haven't seen that. No. Okay. <laughs> I guess we all haven't seen it. I'll send you the pic, but I wonder why they didn't or couldn't show it. Of course they could have showed it. I wonder why they didn't show it. Why didn't they show a wider shot with his hand? I mean, his hand was actually on her, on her butt while they were filming. Okay. You haven't seen that? Yeah. yeah. You can't really tell from. Yeah. He just says it, but you can't see it. And I just wonder why they didn't do a wide shot where you could actually see it. Maybe they thought it was better for him just to say it. Maybe they thought it's probably best to leave it up to the fans imagination. Yeah. True. But I love the way she's looking at him. I know. At first, you're wondering why is she looking at him like that without saying anything? And then it's like, get your hand off my behind. I love it when he says, you are so beautiful when you get fiscal. Oh, I know. Well, you are so beautiful when you get fiscal. Get your hand off my behind. Is that your behind? Is that my hand? (laughs) Now, I have a question. She says that they're in the black and they've made over $2,000. The first money we've made. Yeah. Really? I know. I was going to say the same thing. There was another scene where they had made money. Okay. So I think what she's saying is the profit and loss. Maybe she's doing the yearly figures. Yeah. And they're in the black. I suppose if you look at it that way. But, I mean, they made $50,000 from Mrs. Graydon. So you know what I mean? I know. know. That's more than a yearly salary back then. Yeah, but the agency may have started off in debt. In fact, he was supposed to lose money, right? So maybe they had a lot of making up to do. True. She's got to pay all these employees that aren't doing anything. Yep. So yeah, maybe, maybe she does mean like, we finally have made, like, we're finally in the black, like we finally have money that we don't have to pay out to somebody. Yeah, you're right. Because I made a note of the episodes where they get a paying client. Okay. Okay. So gunfight, read the mind, but they're sort of consultants there. They didn't have any client in Next Murder You Here, Next Stop Murder, Murders in the Mail, Brother, Can You Spare a Blonde. They did in Lady in the Iron Mask because I think she paid them 5000 from memory. Yeah. Money Talks, no. Dream Sequence, no. My Fair David, 50 grand. Knowing her, they had Gillian pay them something. I don't know whether she did or not. Somewhere Under the Rainbow, they had Kathleen Kilpatrick. Yeah, they got a whole uh, pot of gold there. What happened to that? Yeah. Six out of the 13 episodes so far. Mm-hmm. have been a paying client. But uh, again, maybe they had some making up to do. You're absolutely right because at the beginning she would have been so much in debt. David had to lose money and he was enjoying losing money. Yes, I'm sure there was some making up to do. But yeah, so they finally, you know, I guess we could say made some money that they don't owe to anybody. They or David starts deciding what to do with it. When she says, would you get serious? Yeah. I think he goes a bit out of character here when he says about if I get any more serious, they're going to have to move us to cable. I wish they were on cable. We could have gotten some really hot sex scenes then. Mm. Um, I did not notice that he went out of character, but I I will look again. Because you can always tell he sort of does a little (laughs) laugh like he does later when he surprises her with the streamers. Right, yes. So then they start to try and work out what to do with the money. He's got a completely opposite view of what she has. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, as a business owner, what you really should be doing is reinvesting in the business. And she's thinking about an advertising campaign. He's talking about jacuzzis. and Or 
you consider my plan and you put your koozies in the executive bathroom. I know. <laughs> Winking at her. Yes. In other words. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get hot and steamy. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with enjoying your success and rewarding yourself for your victories. And <laughs> he thinks that that's what sets the U.S. apart from the communist nations of the world. She says, not large bodies of water, major mountain ranges. I know. <laughs> I uh, know. I thought this was very funny. They're kind of talking about like uh, China and the US. Yeah. <laughs> kind of poignant topical for me. Then, of course, he starts with his references. Think about the men who made America great the Rockefellers, the Kennedys, the Ewings. And he's including <laughs> the Ewings who were fictional characters. I know. I love that. I thought that was really funny. From Dallas, for anyone who doesn't yes, know. That's right. The Ewings in Dallas. Mm-hmm, the TV show Dallas. Yeah. Good old Larry. <laughs> Oh my God. I just love it when he says, You think every time they had a gusher, they went out and bought new drilling equipment? Hell no. <laughs> he says, Hell no. Hell no. No, they gambled, got drunk, ran around women. And what did that get them? And she says, Poverty. <laughs> Damn straight. The greatest motivator in the free world. The Rockefellers, the Kennedys, the Ewings. You think every time they had a gusher, they went out and bought new drilling equipment? Hell no. They went out and gambled, got drunk, ran around women. And what did it get them? Poverty. Damn straight. Greatest motivator in a free world. <laughs> yeah, it's very contradictory. But anyway, yeah. I don't think the really Rockefellers and the Kennedys got into poverty. But anyway, and in a timely manner, Agnes rings. <laughs> he answers a phone. He goes, one desk under God, indivisible. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And then I'm watching Hill Street Blues last night. And they're giving the medals away to these policemen and they've got the hand on heart to the flag and they said, under God, indivisible. Uh, so, yes, when he answers the phone, that's actually the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States. Oh, okay. He's just like tailoring it to Maddie, though. Yep. We say one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. He's just like uh, substituting words but using the Pledge of Allegiance. Yes, because I had to look that up and then I realised what he was saying. So that was a funny little bit of dialogue to put in there. I know. Yeah, all about kind of, I guess, Maddie's running her own little country. Maddie Hayes, office, one desk, under God, indivisible. Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes. And if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience. And in the middle of that, she's responding to the caller on the phone and then he says something and then she says something. It's, it's all really well-timed. Oh, I know. Yeah, that was great. And she's just ignoring David and he's just like rambling on and on and on and on. Big screen TV. We put it in a reception area. This is Maddie Hayes. Clients can watch it while they're waiting for us. Yes, officer. Serve snacks during Monday night football. Question. Have a whole new clientele. Yes, I'll be right there. (laughs) Uh, You see why later she says, I'm not used to being around you without your mouth running. In these scenes, it's so true. And it's really funny because like you said, she's responding to the person on the phone, which is a policeman. And it doesn't even seem like he's paying attention because he's in his own little world. But then he is because when she hangs up, he's like, Maddie, what'd you do? Because he knows uh, the cops called her. Yeah. And he's coming up with all these things to try and work out why they've called her, including getting the electric chair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And again, 
as he always does, he says, do you want me to go with you? Why didn't she bring him with her? Yeah, that would have been good, I reckon, if he had gone with her. But then him not going with her adds to the mystery of later when he says, oh, this must be one hell of a picture, you know. (laughs) And just, you know, outside of the plot points, I think this was Bruce's turn to have some time off where, you know, in other episodes, we notice that Sybil has less filming to do or she or her shots are really simple setups where she can kind of come in and film, you know, a bunch of scenes in a day and leave. This one seems it's Sybil has to carry it a little bit more. It's more her having scenes on her own. Yes. And there's a particular scene later where she's taking up a lot of the screen time. And another thing I noted was, is this their answer to, you know, in knowing her, David's attention is elsewhere. And Maddie is kind of like, he's not paying attention to me anymore. Is this kind of their answer to Maddie focusing on someone else, even if they're dead? Now the tables have turned. Now she's the one who's distracted and is not responding to his comments or behavior. And he's like, what? What's going on? He doesn't like it now. The tables are turned. He doesn't like it. Yeah, he doesn't like it when the tables are turned. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's very much trying to get her attention and her focus is elsewhere. Even to the point of wondering, oh, was this guy in love with me? And, uh, you know, kind of getting caught up in the fantasy of it. And, you know, what could have been, I guess. And David definitely doesn't like that. All right. So she's at the doorway now and she says to Agnes, look, I'm probably going to go home afterwards. So if I get any messages, mm-hmm. you can call her at home. And then he calls her again, Maddie. And she's like, yes. Maddie? Yes. Executive bonus? Just a thought. Just a thought. (laughs) I think he was always aiming towards that. Yeah, probably. I like this scene, you know, where Maddie Sybil, you know, she looks really beautiful and she's putting on her makeup and he's walking along with her. And I don't know. I just kind of, there's something I like about, uh, he's kind of like being a a bit manic over dramatic and she's kind of looking at him like, what's wrong with you, David? (laughs) I really like the walk and talks, even though he's doing most of the talking. Yeah, he definitely is. He's definitely carrying those scenes. The next scene, there's the blood on the magazine covers. And I don't know whether you noticed, I'm sure you did. The blood is different to the beginning of the episode. Mm, No, I did not notice. Was it darker? Yeah, yeah, so the blood spatter when the guy Mm -hmm. shoots himself, the blood is around Maddie's head in the photo mm, okay but Let's if see. you look at when the lieutenant and maddie have got their back to the camera and they're looking up at the blood spatter it's completely mm-hmm. different and it's on a completely different section of the wall <laughs> how funny and it's not even those photos and i was trying to work it out and i thought oh, i can't be bothered right now but <laughs> anyway um I know. yeah it's a completely different a set of photos now whether it's right. another part of the wall or they've just put another set of photos up I don't know I couldn't tell but um yeah the blood spatter was different so obviously they did a certain set of scenes with them at one stage and then yes I think it was probably a different day yeah enter mm-hmm. Dan Lauria I yeah. say Lauria because he's an Italian American yeah but I don't know do you guys say Dan Lauria or Lauria oh gosh <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. So he's the lieutenant. He's from Brooklyn, New York, and he is the actor known for The Spirit in 2008 and The Wonder Years in 1988. Yeah. 
That's right. So, yeah, it wasn't long after this he did the Wonder Years and he did Stakeout in 1987. He graduated from Lindenhurst Senior High School in 1965 as a varsity football player and he briefly taught physical education at that high school. A Vietnam War veteran, he served as an officer in the United States Marine Corps and he served at the same point in his life that Jack Arnold, his character in the Wonder Years, did during the Korean War. In Vietnam, he served as a platoon commander at An Lok near the Cambodian border. He got his start in acting while attending Southern Connecticut State University in New Haven, Connecticut on a football scholarship. Hmm. His career goes back to 1977, mainly television. Yeah, he was in Kojak, Hill Street Blues. Yeah, I noticed he was in Hill Street Blues. Lieutenant in Moonlighting. He did the five years on The Wonder Years, Cagney and Lacey. I remember him in Independence Day as well. He was a commanding officer in that. Mm. He was in a TV series called Amazing Grace. That must have been a great TV show, Mm -hmm. Shauna. The best. Yeah, (laughs) that's title anyway. (laughs) He did six episodes of Party of Five. Uh, I like that. Oh, and he was um, General Riker in Contagion as well. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, he's been, yeah, very recognisable. Yeah, he's a recognisable face. He has been in so many things. Yes. And by the looks of it, he's still working. So there's quite a few things here in pre-production and a few things that have been announced and completed. Yeah, so that's Dan. Great. Well, yes, when uh, Maddie visits the scene, it's really him who's feeding her head full of these, he must have been in love with you. He adored you. You know what? Think of how he must have thought of you to paint this portrait and I guess questioning her on uh, did she sit for the portrait and did they ever meet did he ever reach out to her and things like that don't you think the lieutenant is really kind of feeding Maddie's head is, is like he must have adored you he was obsessed with you kind of thing you know like making her feel good you know that someone had this like adoration for her Yes, he's definitely trying to work his magic or what what he thinks is magic on her. And as Mm -hmm. we know, nothing works on Maddie. (laughs) (laughs) There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But it's just also a funny angle for the lieutenant to take, you know, like this romantic angle. Yes, you know. I actually noted that I thought he was flirting a little bit with her when mm, he, especially mm-hmm. when he touched her arm. Mm. Um, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, so looking at it from the lieutenant's point of view, she's yeah. in this portrait. There's a guy yeah. on the floor dead. She's yeah. got to be involved. Yeah, yeah, right. Or know him, or 
have sat for the the portrait or something. Yes. I mean, yeah. that makes sense. But when he finds out that she didn't know him, he then he starts feeding her head, which she takes and runs with throughout the episode. Like, oh, man, I never met David. <laughs> Killed himself saying. over me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> of course, they're, they're building that up to like, you know, cream pie in the face later. <laughs> There's nothing about her at all, really. <laughs> He's convinced that she not necessarily is involved in the death, but she's involved in this somehow. At what level, he doesn't know. But he just finished the portrait. It's still wet. He rings the gallery to tell him it's complete. The police obviously going to think that they know each other. And I love the little drop of blood (laughs) just in Mm. the right spot of the body outline. Um, (laughs) Very neat. (laughs) Was it at the heart? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. Uh, if this was CSI Miami, there'd be blood everywhere. Oh, yeah. I know. Yes, it is a very clean suicide Yeah, scene. it's funny, you know, even when I watch Columbo, it's the same. Like somebody's dead and there's hardly any blood there. It's just, I don't know, just cracks me up. Anyway. No, yeah, so he goes through his thoughts of what happened and Maddie cuts him off and says, you make that up or did somebody help you? Yeah. <laughs> I know. And he digresses. He says he was a creative writing major in college and admits he had an overactive imagination. Did you notice a couple of the scenes with the lieutenant? He touches his face while he's talking to her. No, I didn't notice that. I'm just wondering whether he used that, you know, when he was thinking about who this character was before he portrayed him when he was reading the script, whether he just added that little extra characterization and mannerism, you know, touching his face. Probably. I would guess. You're right. He says, he clearly adored you. You don't paint like that unless you adore someone. Yeah, so imagine how she's feeling. Someone she didn't even know has been staring at her pictures daily for a long time. And the last portrait he would ever paint, and the lieutenant says, tomorrow morning it's going to be hanging in a gallery. How would you feel if that was you and you walked in there and there's pictures of you everywhere and this guy's killed himself? I mean, that's very conflicting. Yeah, that's true. Yes, that would be very strange. I also find it strange, I was going to talk about in the next scene, that this picture is somehow involved with the suicide and everything, and they're still going to just ship it off to the gallery to be hung. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's going to be like, okay, no problem, you know. Nowadays, that would be collected in evidence. It'll stay in the evidence room for a long time. Exactly, yes. And nobody would be allowed to touch it with their fingers. And you'd at least keep it for a couple of weeks before That's you right. put it in the, framed in the gallery. But Yeah, and they're just touching it, moving around. He's got it in his office. Nobody's wearing gloves. <laughs> it's like, yes. yeah, it's just funny how we evolve with TV shows and the things we learn from evolving with these police shows that eventually, oh, it's a crime scene. You can't go in there. You can't touch anything. They take photos of everything. Yeah. Everybody's wearing gloves and they've got their chemicals with them. You watch Moonlighting, it's like, yeah, just, you know, you can have the painting, no worries. (laughs) I know. I know, exactly. It's so funny. But as they've always said, it's not about the case, you know, so. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, I forgot to mention before we had a door slam when she left the office. Oh, yeah. The next scene we have feet out of the elevator. Yes, we go from door slam to feet out of the elevator. (laughs) So it's the next day and she's late for work. Mind you, if you look at the clock, it's only 9.05. So calm down, David, will you? Yeah. Why is he looking for her? So, <laughs> you know, 
wouldn't he have rang her at home the night before and said, hey, why did the police call? Yeah, what happened? Why did the police call? Yeah, exactly. And 9.05 and he's calling everyone and the whole office is freaking out. And she shuts the door, but that's not a door slam. I haven't counted that as a door slam. I took note of that. Yeah, and he treats her like a father and daughter. Like, where have you been, young lady? Mm-hmm, He's been mm-hmm. calling every prison in the state. <laughs> so prison. he's sort of talking down to oh. her. Sorry I'm late. Oh, sorry you're late. Do you realise how worried we've been? Depeso's been answering the phone in prose. <laughs> thought that was funny. Then Maddie walks into her office and we have a door slam. She sits down and she's really sad. Look at her face. I know. And can I just say before we, yes, I put she is, she's really bummed out. And David's, you know, of course, trying to figure out, well, he's trying to get her to snap out of it. He wants, you know, to be playful with her and distract her mind from whatever's bumming her out. And then, you know, but I wanted to say something about what they're wearing. Yes. They're wearing blue. (laughs) I always just note that because do you remember in the commentary for Atomic? Yes. Bruce said, why is Sybil wearing blue? Robert Turteris never let us wear blue. Mm. And they look gorgeous in blue. So why couldn't they wear blue? Doesn't photograph well or something? Well, I think her dress is more of a gray, isn't it? A gray blue. Is it? I felt like his shirt, they were both like, yes, not like a bright blue, but more of a blue than she's ever worn. I mean, it's definitely got blue tones to it. And so does his shirt. They match really well, of course. Mm. But yes, I I kind of read this as a a blue dress and and he has a blue shirt on. Yes. Ever since I first heard that commentary, I always take note of any blue, if there's ever any blue in moonlighting, because it's always a dusty pink or a yellow or a white. You know, and why was someone wearing blue? I thought we weren't allowed to wear blue on the show. (laughs) Arbiturities. He figured the costume was so heavy that the least he could do is make it blue. And Bruce was right because in, in Atomic, Kate's wearing that blue dress and it's a vibrant blue. Mm-hmm. And it, you're right, it is unusual for moonlighting. However, we weren't in the 80s in Atomic. So <laughs> I think that's obviously how they got away with wearing blue in that episode. Yeah, I just wonder if Robert Turderis didn't think blue photographed well or something like that or... Because I would think like Sybil has blue eyes, it would bring out her eyes or, you know, I don't know. But yeah, it's just an interesting comment. Maybe blue isn't really her color for her complexion. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was, yeah, about uh, tones. True, true. All right. So David's dying to know what's going on. He's being very glib. Yeah. And of course, he's got to bring it down a level again. You don't Mm -hmm. look any worse for wear. Hair's combed, Mm -hmm. makeup's in place, no visible scars or contusions. They really only mark the hard-to-see places. <laughs> it wouldn't happen to need anybody to check those hard-to-see places, would you? <laughs> David. Always trying to get her to take her clothes off. Maddie's clearly upset, so he has a funny way of trying to get information out of her. But anyway, a man I never met killed himself last night. I know how you feel. A woman I never met had sex with a basketball team last night. You're right. It's not the same thing. <laughs> Oh, David, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just, he's being very dismissive of her feelings. He's Yeah, he's, he's not really like cluing into, you know, I think he kind of knows, but he, I don't know why he does that. But then he has to change his tone. That's one of my favorite little moments when she's looking more distraught and he finally, he's being very jokey and not really taking any of it seriously. And, you know, these kind of offhanded comments that aren't very nice all the time. 
yeah. I think he's obviously trying to lift her spirits by being yeah. him, but that doesn't yeah. always work. It's not what she needs in the moment. Mm. She needs someone to, you know, really talk to or to like validate her feelings. But then he kind of, and his face really like changes. And I don't know, I like the look on his face when he walks up behind her. Yes. Yeah. He's you really know? worried. Then he's acting like he should be serious. Yeah. You know? Yes. Then um, he takes it down. Yes. And tunes into her. So Maddie's fascinated that her whole life was on that man's walls. Yeah. And everywhere he looked, he saw Maddie. David says, no wonder he killed himself. Oh. <laughs> I know. He's so rude. Like, yeah, right, so, David. Yeah. So Maddie tells him about the portrait. This is when David gets a bit serious and starts to show a little bit of concern. You know, you didn't even know the man. Did he try and contact you? Did he try and contact you? No. Did you reject him in any way? How could I reject him? He didn't contact me. Did you laugh the first time he got naked in front of you? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> David, David, David. Oh, so that's when she gets angry. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm talking to a man who thinks that love is something you pay 25 cents to see in a private booth. Private booth? What are you talking about? This is the age of video. (laughs) The age of video, yeah, private booth. No, no, no. And now they have an argument about what is and is not romantic. He can think of more romantic gestures than painting a picture than blowing your brains out. But Maddie thinks it's more more of a spiritual, ethereal type of something, Mm -hmm. unrequited. But then David says that killing yourself because you can't get a date with a homecoming queen is not the act of a sane person. I mean, if you think about it, I totally, I do understand why David doesn't really get why she's so upset about this man. She's never met this man before. Okay. He painted, I mean, he wasn't at the scene, so maybe he didn't get the seriousness of it when she was there and saw her pictures and him dead and all these other things with the blood or whatever, you know? But I don't think he is truly understanding like, okay, so this guy, this crazy person killed himself and, you know, while he was looking at your pictures, but like, you don't know him. So why are you so upset? Yeah, I suppose Maddie's probably wondering, did he love her? And maybe she wanted to meet him, see what he was like. It's all a mystery and it's all confusing to her, I think. You know what? I'm just starting to kind of think about with Maddie She likes the idea. She likes the fantasy of a man more than she likes the man himself, I think, because with Paul McCain, Mm, when he was dead. Yes. And she was listening to him talk on the radio every night and she started to like fall for him and fall in love with him and understand his depth. And now I think she's kind of wondering the same about this guy. Could it have been something? I mean, the man was a bit off if he was killing himself. So, Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. She likes the mystery. And the romanticism of it, if you call it romantic, what's happened in this episode. You're right. She preferred the romance and the and the mystery to the actual person. Yeah. She likes the fantasy and not the reality of it all. Mm. Oh, we've uncovered something about Maddie. So My she says- goodness. <laughs> I love that when he says that. <laughs> yeah. So Maddie um, says she's going to go for a walk or a drive. She doesn't know what she's going to do. And, of course, he doesn't move his legs for her to go through because he doesn't want her to go. And he says, did I say something wrong? And Maddie says, do you ever say anything right? I love how he turns around and the camera goes straight to his face. One little suicide and there's no talking to you. (laughs) You can now go to coffee.com slash moonlightingthepodcast. That's ko-fi.com slash moonlightingthepodcast and buy yourself a door slam. Yes, that's right, a door slam. Some devoted Moonlighting fans have contacted us since we began this project 
to find out how they can support us. As you are well aware, Shauna and I do this with great joy, and we have so much fun creating this podcast every week and interacting with you guys on social media and via our fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com email. So we would be ever so grateful for any small donation that you can make. Maddie would be proud. It should have just ended there because that was hilarious. But then he says, my goodness. I mean, yeah, I like the great. way he says I it. I love that. I don't think it was needed. I agree. But yeah, I like how he said it. I mean, he is a little bit taken back, but like she's so wound up about it. It is a little bit like, my goodness, you know, I mean, usually they work on these things together and he kind of, they're on the same page and he kind of can follow her train of thought, but she just comes in so bummed out and then so wrapped up in this guy. It is like, my goodness. And I think David's probably thinking, oh, not this again, (laughs) just like the next murder you hear. (laughs) And that's another door slam. Yeah. And then Maddie goes to the gallery. She parks the car. The next shot is from another direction and the car's been moved. It's not in the same spot it was. She walks in and there's a woman waiting at the entrance to walk out. It's not done fluently. Like she's standing in the entrance waiting for the camera to go on her and then she walks out. Um, are, Are you saying that when she walks into the gallery, there's someone inside that works at the gallery She doesn't talk to them and she doesn't help Maddie. Maddie just goes around looking for the portrait on her own. No, there's a lady standing at the front of the building, like an extra, and she's just a prop, right? But she's supposed to move outwards, which she does, but she starts walking too late. (laughs) Right, right. Is that what what happens? Okay. Yeah, yeah. The timing is off. Yeah. Anyway, this is a really good scene. That's the same music. Every time the portrait appears, you have that same music. So the camera follows her around the art gallery. What I noticed from this scene, this is what I was talking about earlier, about Bruce needing some time off. This scene goes from. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it goes on too long. It goes for two minutes and 13 seconds. Oh, my gosh. So you have two minutes and 13 seconds of absolute silence. Right. Of her looking at these different pictures in the gallery looking for the portrait. That's right. And it's a beautiful scene when she finally finds the portrait and the camera goes on the portrait, then goes in Maddie's eyes and then closer and closer until you get a real close-up of Sybil, which, oh, my God, she's just so gorgeous. The strip of light over her eyes, which... um... Jerry Fennerman, he loves that lighting on her. I love how he accentuates her beautiful blue eyes. Very nice. It's a great scene how she's fascinated by this painting. She tries to pose like it. They do the great close-up, the lighting, and it's a great way to kill time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, most importantly. But she's not finished yet because then it transcends to Maddie's bedroom where it pans down from the pictures on the wall to the fireplace, to the bed, to the door. And then what I noticed was that the camera, I think it's a handheld camera. Normally they have the crane showing the staircase, but this time somebody is walking down the stairs. Is an interesting shot that um, is this, this long tracking shot that goes all the way through Maddie's bedroom where she's got a roaring fire going, by the way. Yep. And down the staircase and into the living room where there is another roaring fire. Over to Maddie, who's just gazing at her portrait. Yeah, 
definitely an interesting shot. You're probably right, handheld. And this particular scene goes for one minute and 20 seconds. Yeah. I don't think we've ever had so much silence in an episode. These two scenes total three minutes and 33 seconds. Wow. That's a long time without some fast-paced dialogue. I agree. They are stretching out some time here, definitely. But they used it well. Yeah, it's okay. You don't notice it. But like when we analyze it like we do now, it's kind of obvious that Glenn is trying to give one of them a break ever so often. We're getting very close to a DePesto episode uh, coming on <laughs> here. So I think that's when he started thinking, okay, wait a second. Now I can give them these little breaks, but it never adds up to enough. So we, now we need like a time where they can have a whole episode off. And that's when the DePesto episodes were born. But for now, we're, we just know that Bruce or Sybil have a day off here and there. Yeah, they find creative ways to do it, which is good. We find out in a different way that she has purchased the painting without her actually saying anything to anybody, telling David, although she does tell him later. But yeah. it's a creative way of saying, oh, my God, she's purchased the painting. She sure did. And also one thing I noticed too was I think it shows a little bit of how lonely she is. I know. She's got this big, beautiful house, two roaring fires, and she's always drinking her little glass of Chardonnay or whatever she drinks. And mm. yeah, no one to really share it with, huh? And I think it's her way of being close to the person who painted her. Yes, she's very much enamored with the idea of this person obsessing over her. A little bit how she was with Paul McCain by going to his house. This is a reoccurring Maddie trait now. It's nice lighting here too, I thought. Yeah, it seems cozy in there. I like the feel of it, definitely. And she's even got candles going, all these candles everywhere. She's having a little romantic evening with her and her portrait. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, poor Maddie. So it's the next morning and she enters the office and all the office workers are having a party. Plastic cups, danishes, throwing streamers at her. And this is where I think he goes a little bit out of character. He does that little chuckle. Anyway, so they've all been discussing what to do with the profits. (laughs) A lady whose bottom line never sags. (laughs) (laughs) Let me have one. Yeah. Um, Well, you were saying that Bruce uh, or David might go out of character. Bruce might go out of character. Whoever we're talking about might go out of character a little bit. I thought Sybil was acting truly annoyed with the screaming. She has like a pained look on her face. It's like, Mm. yeah, Yeah. maybe there's just a little bit of reality peeking through on both of their parts on this one. Well, they might have had a few goes to get it right. Yeah, a lot of um, blowing that horn in her ear and things like that. He sits her down and apparently they've been brainstorming. The purpose of this morning session, and I might add it has been an extremely productive one, has been to brainstorm. To what storm? Funny. Hurtful, but very funny. (laughs) Yep, there's another one of those again. So he's got DePesto combing the mail order catalogue. Gee, I remember those. O'Neill scouring the classifieds. And we got my main potato, Jurgensen, has agreed to cruise for garage sales this weekend. Let me have one. This is not appropriate, David. You don't <laughs> get the... <laughs> this scene bugs me. He's being annoying, first of all. I, I see the pain look on her face. I, I relate to that. And it's not up to the employees to decide what Maddie's going to do with her money. And I don't know. Do you find the scene annoying? 
I don't find it annoying. I think it's entertaining. But the fact is that the employees are on a need-to-know basis. They're not supposed to know the bottom line. Exactly. And as usual... May I see you in my office for a moment? (laughs) And what's with the eyebrows? She's going... (laughs) He's at the doorway with his eyebrows up and down, up and down. Yeah, I know. I know. Why are they doing that? That's pretty funny. Now... Is this, uh, or is it when they go in the office when he mentions, you know, the things that she could be spending her money on, and one of them is Elvis memorabilia? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, uh. (laughs) We were just talking before we started taping about um, Sybil and how she dated Elvis. Mm. And so I think Glenn always likes to slip in a little truth or a, a little fun. Yeah, and she had a boyfriend at the time too, and he found out. Oh, really? Well, gosh, I mean, (laughs) what are you going to say if the person you're with uh, is dating Elvis? Mm -hmm. You can't pass up on that, can you? He mentions a few things and throws in the Elvis memorabilia. So just kind of pointing out something from uh, her real life experiences. What'd you get? Excuse me? What did you get? Now, I'm sure whatever it is, is something that's for the good of the company. What'd you blow it on? Stocks, bonds, Elvis memorabilia? So she tells him that she spent it on art because she doesn't want to say it too loud (laughs) right a painting of what oh a pretty thing (laughs) yeah she knows she's a pretty thing i know yeah she sure does now listeners i sent shauna a snapshot the other day (laughs) (laughs) i was watching this episode on our youtube channel and had the captioning on and when they say art he says art, she says art. The captioning thinks that Maddie says fart. <laughs> it's auto-generated, so that's what they're <laughs> auto-generated for, is hearing her say fart. <laughs> so he's trying to guess what painting she has bought. Little cat, big eyes, a boy and his dog, a blonde and her vanity. He had already worked it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's where he says that line. It's so good. He says... Wait a second, let me get this straight. One of the most photographed women in the world goes out and spends the only money she ever made doing anything other than saying cheese and buys, lo and behold, another picture of herself. And he's blocking her again, as he does. Yep. He's asking her why. She doesn't know why. She doesn't want anybody else to buy it and put it over their bar. And she doesn't care if he understands or not why she bought it. The money belongs to the company and the company belongs to her. And she can choose to do anything she wants with it. Or she may choose to flush it down the executive commode. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she has a good point. It's her money. And it's, it's not for money. him to decide. And it's not for the Wobblies to decide. And it's not for anybody to decide but her. And that's when she says, is that clear? Which she says quite often to him. Yeah. And he says. Alice Klar, Herr Commissar. Commissar is German for a government official. Hence the phrase, Alice Klar der Kommissar, which means everything okay, officer. So he's basically calling her a Nazi (laughs) or Hitler. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. It was also a song from 1982. I remember it a lot from The Wedding Singer, because obviously The Wedding Singer movie had a lot of 80s songs in it. Yeah. The song was from After the Fire, as well as an Austrian singer called Falco. So there was actually two versions of it in 1982, except that Falco sang it in German. But the song was actually called Der Kommissar. Oh, really? 
So anyway. She's been a bossy boots. Sure is. He's not mincing any words there. Yeah, he's uh, pretty sarcastic and kind of being an ass there. She's had enough. Uh, throws him out. As <laughs> She's throwing him out, he says. I have one more question. What? Next windfall we get. Can I stick a statue of myself in the lobby? Stick it, Addison. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another door slam. And she said that um, in Rainbow as well, didn't she? Yeah, she says stick it someplace, Addison. Yeah, and here she says stick it, Addison. Yeah, well, yes, her, her just saying stick it, Addison, and shoving him out of the office. And then the knock on the door. Get away from the door. And they keep knocking. You asked for it. She yeah. opens the door and there they are with Charles Wright, which is the deceased's brother. The yeah. person that died was Philip Wright, and this is Charles Wright, his brother. She apologizes and, you know, welcomes him into the office and slams the door on David. <laughs> yes. How handsome is this fella? Okay, thank you. I was going to say, well, two things. Again, with the timing on Moonlighting, as soon as she slams the door, uh, he's knocking and supposedly it's the client. Like, was there enough time for him to show up and knock and, you know, that whole thing? Yeah. But now this guy, this guy is who I picture Maddie to be interested in. This would be like someone that I would picture Maddie dating. That would be like her ideal. I agree. Very handsome. Totally her type, I would guess. Yeah. This guy, he's six foot three. Oh, wow. Really? You can tell when he walks in, he's way taller than Bruce. Yeah. Bruce is pretty tall. Yeah. His name is John Calvin. Mm -hmm. And his career begins in um, 1971. He was in Mod Squad. Here's Lucy, Columbo, $6 million man. A lot of TV shows. He did 22 episodes of Tales of the Gold Monkey. That's what he's mainly known for. He's also known for The Cheap Detective in 1978 and Mike Hammer in 1989 he did about six episodes of dallas he -hmm. did three episodes of magnum he was in simon and simon and he did seven episodes in days of our lives as arthur downey oh i like that show yeah Yeah. looks like his career stopped in 1995 there's nothing much after that but he's from staten island new york there's a lot of new yorkers in this show i know a lot of east coasters yes very handsome gentleman. I would have liked him for Maddie, even though I would have liked Maddie more with David, but he would have been a good match for Maddie for a little while. They should have kept him, I reckon. Well, okay. If she came back on the train and showed up with him, you could understand <laughs> it and not Walter. <laughs> Poor Walter. Aw, I, love, I do love Dennis Dugan, so. I love Dennis Dugan. Yeah. Yeah, this would be Maddie's type, I guess. Yeah, I agree. You know what? I reckon in this episode they should have shown her being a little bit smitten by him, but they don't actually yeah. it doesn't actually reflect that. I know, I was gonna say that too. Like she shows no interest, even though he's super handsome, probably her type and all this, and she's very businesslike with him. Mm. She's more addicted to Philip. I know, yes. Well, she mm. likes the idea. I'm telling you, she likes the idea of fantasy, not reality. You know, she's got a handsome man standing in front of her, but she's obsessed with the guy who's killed himself after painting her portrait. So this Charles Wright, he seems very nervous. He doesn't know where to put his hands. Like he's very fidgety in front of her. Mm-hmm. Whether that's because you find out later he's not who he says he is. Yeah. Um, he doesn't quite know how to, <laughs> how to act. Yeah. So I'm just trying to work out how he has found out about Maddie. 
He says he went to the gallery, but I'm I'm just trying to work out the logistics. Yeah. Yeah. How did he get there? How did he get to there? Yeah. But anyway, he just said he went to the gallery and, you know, like, did they give him her details? I don't know. Yeah. And it takes her like three seconds to say, would you like to see it? Like, she doesn't know this guy. (laughs) I know. Why does she feel comfortable bringing him home? Hmm. And she just grabs him by the hand and drags him out of the office. I want you to see it. You don't even know me. Mr. Wright and I will be at my house. I know. And of course, you know, right in front of David and David's, you know, yeah. (laughs) It is just hilarious how she just drags him out of the office. Mr. Wright and I will be at my house. By the way. Yes. Mr. Wright. Yes, I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) That is so good. He's Mm. Mr. Wright and she's dragging him out of the office to take him to her house. Mm. How good is that? And a classic line by David. He was in there for a minute and a half. How'd he do that? (laughs) (laughs) Because he's been trying to do that for a year. He's been trying like hell for a long time and he hasn't gone anywhere. Thank you for listening to Portrait of Maddie Part 1. Stay tuned next week for part two. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to Moonlighting the Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.